are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. I want to talk this morning about finding opportunities in crisis. We're taking the illustration from Genesis chapters 37 to 50. That's quite a pile of scripture, but it's concerning Joseph's life. But my key, pa- key text this morning is Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are to call according to his purpose. Heavenly Father, bless your word to our hearts today. Holy Spirit, speak into our hearts. Let us hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll find that there are different reactions to this scripture. Some may ask, can it be true? All things work together for good to those who love God. Another may say, I wish that it were true. Still others say, I hope it's true. Then others say, well, all doesn't mean all. But there are millions of born-again believers throughout this world, and some of them are here in this building right now, who know. You can say with Paul, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Charles Swindle once said, words can never be adequately conveyed, the incre- adequately convey the incredible impact of our attitude towards life. He says, the longer I live, the more convinced I become that life is 10% of what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. Faith influences our attitude. Faith in God can move mountains. You can be going through some very difficult times in your life. But if you believe the word of God, if you believe that God's word is forever settled in heaven, it really can't move you. The situation is not hopeless anymore. 
So when troubles come our way, Romans 8.28 tells me that nothing can happen to me, that God will not help me rise above it. Trials need no longer be feared, but seen as an opportunity for my faith to be challenged and to grow in God. The expression, we know, projects an air of confidence. The context has suffering as a major portion of the discussion. But the apostle established the truth that hardships in the life of a Christian do not imply that God is unconcerned with our plight. God is very much concerned when we go through difficult situations. The truth of the matter is, the Lord is pursuing a plan that is far above our limited ability to comprehend. In spite of life's hardships, we we must be able to say, we know that he's still working for our good. I believe this applies to our physical life, our material life, our spiritual life, and our eternal welfare. Because what God has planned for us goes far beyond anything that we experience here on this earth. When you realize that the best is yet to come, and we're not talking about just this few years that we spend here on this sod. God has the eons of eternity planned out for you and I. And many of the things that happen in our life that are difficult to face is preparing us for that day when we step from time into eternity. If we get too earthbound, we forget the real purpose that we are here on this earth. In spite of life's hardships, we must be able to say that we know. It should be noted that Romans 8.28 does not state that God causes affliction to occur. The Lord is not the source of earth's ills or those that befall his people. He permits things to happen, but he do not generate them. How do you respond to a crisis? Fact is, we all face or will face hardships and loss and painful circumstances. That's part of life. Joseph experienced difficulty, but he learned to react to it wisely. From his example, we can learn how to turn our crises into opportunities. You can find the account in Genesis chapter, chapters 37 to 50. 
Joseph was a dreamer. And I've just chosen seven crises in, in Joseph's life just to correspond to what I'm saying today. From the time Joseph was a young boy, he knew the bitter taste of adversity. Each trial he faced prepared him for God's ultimate purpose in his life. The fact of the matter is that the purpose was far beyond Joseph himself. It was concerning a nation, God's chosen people, and how he would protect them in a time of terrible drought and famine. First, Joseph was hated by his brothers because he was Jacob's favorite son. Second, Joseph's brothers threw him in a pit. Third, Joseph was sold into Egypt for a slave. He learned how to live with ridicule and mistreatment without growing bitter and resentful and hostile. During his years as a slave in Egypt, Joseph took advantage of the chance to, to learn about the Egyptian culture and language, trusting that God had a purpose for allowing him to be in the situation that he found himself in. Fourthly, he was sold into Pharaoh's chief body, sold to Pharaoh's chief bodyguard. Potiphar. And while there he learned about how an Egyptian family operated. He discovered how to manage a large, prosperous household. Fifth challenge occurred when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. The Bible tells us that he kept his integrity and his answer to her advances is just awesome. Genesis 39, verse 9, he says, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Six, his refusal to sin and be disloyal to his master and to God got him thrown in prison. So many times when we do what is right and still we're treated wrong, we don't understand how could this have happened. But through this crisis, Joseph discovered his own strength to resist temptation and to be devoted to God. He discovered his deep, the depth of his devotion to the Lord. And then seventh, the seventh crisis, the final trial was when a fellow prisoner failed to speak up for him, failed to tell Pharaoh of his plight in prison. 
And just because of that, Joseph was in prison for two more years. And those prisons at that time wasn't like the prisons that we have in Canada today. But Joseph's day of opportunity finally came. Pharaoh has a dream that nobody can interpret. And the chief butler suddenly remembers Joseph because heads were about to roll in Egypt. And finally he goes to, to Pharaoh and he says, hey, there's this guy in prison. I was, I was with him in prison. He told the story, and Pharaoh said, go get him. So Joseph is finally released. And Joseph interprets the dream with the help of God's Holy Spirit. And Joseph explained that the dream that Pharaoh had seen indicates that there's a there's seven good years, there's seven years of plenty coming to the land when the crops will be bumper crops. But then there's going to be seven years of famine, terrible famine. And inspired by God, he tells Pharaoh to use the years of plenty to store up for the years of drought. In response, Pharaoh promoted him second in command over all of Egypt and placed Joseph in charge of administering the food storage. Joseph was ready for such a responsibility because he had used each crisis in his life as an opportunity to develop himself into a wiser, godlier person. There's a lesson here for you and I. It's easy to fall into a pity party when things are not going right. It is easy to think that nobody else has ever suffered like you have suffered. But remember God's word. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Now I think we need to read the whole verse, don't we? This do not apply to everyone, but it applies to you and I if we are born again, if we are serving God. This is a promise that we have from God that all things will work together for our good. It doesn't mean that the things that are happening to us are good. It doesn't mean that when your spouse says, it's over, I'm getting out. It doesn't mean that that's good. It doesn't mean when the doctor says, I'm sorry, we've done all that we can. 
your loved one is gone. It doesn't mean that that's good. It doesn't mean that when you go to work tomorrow morning and the boss comes along with that pink slip and says, we have no more employment for you. And you're too young to retire, but you're too old to find suitable employment. Doesn't mean that that's good. truth of the matter is that everything that happens in my life and in your life as we serve God and, and our motive is to serve him and to follow him and to do what he wants us to do, that is going to work out. God is going to bring it to a good conclusion. No matter how dark the night, the sun is going to shine again. You'll smile again. You will experience the love of God in your heart. You will experience joy and peace and happiness again. It's not always going to be like that. The Lord will, just as he did for Joseph, he will use adversity to strengthen your relationship with him and prepare you for the challenges that lie ahead. So how do we turn a crisis into opportunity? First of all, trust that God is working everything in your life for your good. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are to call according to his purpose. If we believe in a sovereign God, it is easier to retain our hope, even if we don't understand why? You know that your life is in his hands and he's taking care of you. Accept, secondly, accept that the Lord's ways are higher than our ways. We are good at analyzing things. But listen, give it to the Lord. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways or your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, that's a big difference, isn't it? As the heavens are higher than the earth. That's how much difference it is when God thinks than when you think and I think. We can't even come close to what God thinks and plans for you and I. Trust God's intimate involvement in your life. Three, don't come to quick conclusions in a crisis. Ask God for some answers. 
Wait on him. Take time to listen. Take time to meditate on his word. Let him speak to you through his word and by the Holy Spirit. Meditate on scripture, which fuels your awareness of the Father's comfort and unconditional love. Go to the ultimate source of strength, the word of God. That's where our faith comes from. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't have the word, you don't have faith. What are you basing your belief system on? If you don't base it upon the word of God, you've got nothing to stand on. You can't base upon the political system the leaders of our countries, the rich, the famous. The only thing that you can, you can bank on is what God's word says. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. Forever settled in heaven. Always the same. Same for every generation just as applicable right now as when Peter and Paul and Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and all of these guys inspired by the Holy Spirit wrote these words, placed them in scriptures today for us. It's applicable. And if this world goes on for another hundred years, it still will be applicable. If it goes on for another 2,000 years, it will still be applicable. Amen? It's forever settled in heaven. It's not going to change. We can come up with all kinds of versions and translations that we like. But the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Let go of your anger immediately. Even if you feel upset at first, don't let that emotion take root in your life. The Bible says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Oh, you can be angry. That's a human emotion. That's an emotion that we have. But you don't have the sin about it. If you do what the Bible says, it'll free you to see God's purpose in your circumstances. Joseph faced every trial with a heart that was willing to grow and learn. When we believe the Lord's promise, we are also motivated to surrender to his will. In every situation. Demonstrate a spirit of gratitude. That God knows what he's doing. God knows what you're going through. The word says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. View the trial as a chance to see God at work 
choose to approach the situation with hope and desire to learn from it. Don't listen to unscriptural interpretations for your situation. No matter how well-meaning people are, they're not going through your exact situation. Don't surrender to fluctuating emotions. When you pray and your situation doesn't change, don't give up. No matter what, God loves you and God is in control. You can't go wrong by trusting your entire life to him. As I conclude today, if you're facing a crisis now or in the future, remember that the Lord wants to turn it into an awesome opportunity for you to develop new skills, strengthen your character, and draw you closer to him. Joseph's response to his brothers concerning all the problems and hardship that they caused him over the years is an example for every one of us. Genesis 50 verse 20 says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. This sheds light on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, where Paul writes, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. You know that much of the crises that we go through has spiritual involvement. Satan will attack when we're weary, when we're hungry, when we're hurting, when we're sick, when we're depressed. Very seldom is he going to attack when you're on cloud nine. It's when you're going through those difficult situations that he comes in, tries to take you out. But the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against them. He may be using a family member or a church member. Oh, yes. He's not particular who he uses. He may use a, a co-worker, a neighbor, a friend, somebody that you look up to, a teacher, a pastor. But people are instruments, tools in Satan's hands not the real enemy. 
Satan is your enemy. He wants to take you out. But God has a better plan. Trust him to help you to turn your crisis into an opportunity. Really trusting God is the foundation of faith. Without complete trust and surrender of control, we will never experience the full power and blessing that he has for us. I need him every hour. I need him every day. I need him when things are going good. And I need him when things are going bad. But do you know something? If you learn to lean on God when things are going good, you'll be ready to lean on him when things are turning bad. When you know your God, when you're serving him, you'll find out that he's always there. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are to call according to his purpose. God's got a purpose and a plan for every one of us. I want to fit into that plan. Do you? Amen. Would you want to stand with me this morning? Maybe this word has spoken to your heart. Do you want to do something about it this morning? We only have one service now on Sunday morning. I don't know the attitude of everybody, but for me, if you need to do business with God, we've got time to do it. Amen? We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.